What's happening, weirdo? Live from Winnipeg, Canada, Manitoba. Manitoba, Canada. Plan the Manitoba. Win- Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. I'm going to make a self uh, teach yourself the tuba in one minute called Minituba. Nice. Thank you. We're here. We're queer. <laughs> we're so happy we're here. Uh, you'll hear we stole away from Leela. She's watching Ninja Turtles downstairs so we could do this episode. It's so fun to have this excuse to chat. We really got into it. I'm very proud, especially of the second half. We found some really fun stuff. I did repeat myself once. I want everyone to know that I'm aware that I already told that story about getting stoned and Ned Flanders, okay? Don't look at me. I have nothing to do with this. (laughs) Only a couple things to plug up top. Uh, I have my Netflix is a joke fest uh, in May, Chicago in May, Largo on the 30th. That's going to be right when we get back, so I'm going to be so happy to be home. Uh, January 30th, Largo-LA.com for tickets to that. And if you like the show, please support the show. Please try a Pete's Pick, which are just the ads for things that I actually use and we actually love. Katie, roll that beautiful bean footage. And if you like this show, please try a Pete's Pick, meaning we only do ads for things that I actually use and absolutely love, like our friends at Living Libations. Living Libations is a high-end, badass, highly effective natural skin care, hair, teeth, babies, whatever your needs are in the health and beauty department, whether it's uh, skin care, like I use their best skin ever, uh, moisturizer at night. I also put it on during the day. Val also uses that and loves it. We put uh, Love the Sun zinc-based sunblock on Leela in the sunny times of the year. That is a huge game changer. It's so hard to find an actually natural alternative to the chemical nightmares that they have out there because obviously what we're putting on our body gets in our body. So we should be careful to buy products that are amazing, living libations, and have ingredients that we can easily pronounce and recognize. That is also living libations. Great way to support the show, get something small, or do what Val and I did, which is a total medicine cabinet, beauty cabinet, bathroom overhaul, uh, and replace all of those horrible products that are filled with toxic chemicals that were never intended for humans. 15% off, go to livinglibations.com slash weird. Support the show, support your body. That's livinglibations.com slash weird. It's also brought to us from our friends at Onnit and Alpha Brain. You guys know this by now. I'm obsessed with Alpha Brain. It is a nootropic, which means it helps with memory, focus, and concentration. Every episode of this podcast for the past all 700 episodes, I've always, always, always taken two or three Alpha Brain about 15 minutes before we started rolling. Also, anytime I'm doing stand-up, anytime I'm writing a script, I really wish I had known about it when I was in college or taking tests. I take it before I read books just to retain more of it. Basically, anything you're doing that involves your brain, involves focus, concentration, and memory, Alpha Brain is not a stimulant. It's not like coffee. It's giving you earth-grown ingredients to help you concentrate. It is amazing. Give it a try. It's the best way to know if you'll love it like I do. Go to onnit, O-N-N-I-T dot com slash weird, and you will get 10% off everything on that landing page. That's onnit.com slash weird. All right, everybody. We're so glad you're here. Valerie? Get into it. Us is... It's a great experiment. This is no, no ordinary, ordinary love. Pod. 
This no. is an ordinary. <laughs> this is an ordinary. It is pretty ordinary. What's... Will you open this for me? I have my lady fingers. That's what I call my nails. Lady fingers. <laughs> um, so Leela is downstairs uh, watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And in the past when we've done this... It's never worked. It's never, it's never worked. So there's, you know, we're really skating on thin. But uh, I'm just trying to settle into it. It's a weird gear shift for me. We were, we were, go ahead. Well, you really put the fear of God in her this time because the last few times that we've tried to do this, we've been like, okay, mama and dada are going to be in the office don't interrupt us unless you need something. But like, don't feel like you can't come in there. But try not try your best not to come in there. Yeah. And if you need a snack, you can get yourself a snack. And you know. And this time, you literally said, "She said, what if I'm crying because I miss you?" And you said, "That's what I'm saying. You can't cry. You can't miss us." <laughs> You know, it's funny when I, when I talk about, I was talking to Judy Greer, who I'm doing this movie with, and she was, you know, like most people, somewhat pod curious mm-hmm. and meaning like anybody, uh, and Judy's wonderful and Judy should start a podcast and Judy's going to do this podcast. Oh, We're really nice. having a nice time together doing this movie here in Winnipeg. And I was like, it's not uh super, I would, I would, I would. <laughs> It's one of the things I do like talking about, people that, like, want to start a podcast and, like, what it takes. Yeah. And how it's fun and how it's rewarding and and I really love doing it. And then I was like, but, you know, tonight I'm going to go back to the the house, to the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go back to the house and and Val and I are going to record a podcast. You're not. You know what I mean? And that's that's okay. (laughs) It's okay, guys. I love you, but... (laughs) Yeah, you're saying like, and and you know, it is something that it's something you, you have, have to, to do. do every week, no matter what you speaking of which, what your situation is. Yeah, and that, and I watched the light in her eyes dim to zero <laughs> because nobody, not everybody wants that. And then I was like, you could do, you do like a limited series or something. Well, the people do seasons. You know, they do ten episodes and take a break. And yeah, exactly. You could do that, and it would be different. I was also like. I thought it was interesting. I said to her, I was like, first of all, I almost did this podcast with Chelsea Peretti. I think we've talked about this before. Oh, yeah. That's true. Have we told this story before? I mean, yes, but it's been a long time, I think. There was also something yesterday I was telling you. I'll, I'll tell the Chelsea thing, but like there was something that we were talking about yesterday. Oh, my premium blend. Oh, I want yeah. to tell that story. That was a good story. Yeah, I, when we were having that conversation last night, I was like, oh, this is great for the podcast. So anyway, welcome. Glad you're here. And, <laughs> and um, we do want to be here. <laughs> no, we do. But it, it just took a little spinning plate. And there's a slight just anxiety for me that I'm like, this this could be, you know, this could end. But let's see. Let's yeah, see. Our here daughter could come in and destroy this the along ch- with most of the remnants of our single life <laughs> yeah oh my god our we're, pre-kid life we are wrecked mm-hmm. um but having a lovely time so a little well i'll tell the chelsea thing yeah we were gonna when chelsea and I, I i still love chelsea i think she's one of the funniest people in the world and when we were super super close and hanging out a lot of the time this is before both of us met our partners and had children and you know life changes um but we were hanging out constantly 
And, you know, in the first years of the podcast, I couldn't, like one of the You Made It Weird drinking games was if I mentioned Chelsea Peretti, like mm. take a drink and you would definitely get super, super drunk because I, I just, I, I still haven't met really another person quite like her. Yeah. But this was the height of my Chelsea Peretti obsession. And we were going to do a podcast together. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is before You Made It Weird. And I remember it came down to something as simple as like, we were going to record it at Meltdown Comics. And she said, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to. Already the most Chelsea It is. It's very Chelsea. Is, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to drive to Meltdown. And, you know, in fairness, she does her wonderful podcast. I think it's called Called Chelsea. Mm. Uh, from her from her house or near her house. Yeah. So she wanted to set it up as comfortably as possible. I used to love doing it at Meltdown, and now I do it in L.A. and I live in Ojai, and I still like the 90 minutes of prep time, but sp- I, I have a very fond memory of driving to Meltdown Comics, which isn't there anymore, and just kind of taking that time to think about the guest, yeah. maybe listen to some of their stand-up or, or something that they've done. And it was this very, like, sacred time. Mm-hmm. Cut to us now, my car time is the most, one of the most sacred things in the world. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it, it's time alone. It's alone time. Yeah. It's learning time. People are probably listening to this podcast in their cars right now, so you understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I remember Richard Rohr used to do, uh, or I think he, I don't think he does anymore, but he used to do men's retreats. Mm -hmm. And he told me that at the end they would try, because, you know, you get that warm, gooey, like you're remembering yourself, you're remembering how important it is to stay connected to your center, to have time to be contemplative, to have time to learn and feed your spirit, Mm -hmm. which is another thing we could talk about, because as I'm doing a movie, I'm like, that is a huge necessity to make it so I don't lose my mind. But he said that a lot of the men on those retreats, they set intentions when they're done. And a lot of them say that their car time would be their sacred time. Mm. And that really stuck with me. I was like, Mm. oh yeah, that's like, um, it doesn't have to just be a means to an end. It can be the place where you, you know, curate the garden of your life you know yeah I remember Sharon Salzberg said on the pod actually when she was a guest we asked her what her practice was and she said she does like um you know a mindfulness meditation every morning but then her other practice is that she practices loving kindness anytime she's waiting including when she's in the car that's great which is so Amazing. As you know, as I travel, you, you were, you, 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 you make the best guacamole. You were Jamie saying that you diagnosed me, armchair diagnosed me that I might have a touch of involuntary, what did you call it? An involuntary thought syndrome? No, um, intrusive thoughts. Intrusive thoughts. It's so funny. I don't know what anybody else's thoughts are like. Mm-hmm. But when you said that, I was like, oh, wow, maybe this is a real what the hell is water situation. Mm. Like, I just assume that everybody's having thoughts that they just that like appall (laughs) them, appall them. I was going to say repulse them, Mm. like especially if I'm hungry or I need to take a dump (laughs) or like I haven't had coffee or I'm stressed or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm, or like, did I tell this already? I think maybe I did. Yeah, you shared at the airport. That's where that's where I that's came where up with you, the intrusive thought. And I'm like, I wonder if that's I true. I don't know if I it's do. a. I mean, I think it. I think it's a form of OCD. Um, that sounds right. I think my brain likes to spin the wheel of horrors. Yeah. Rather than. And I, I feel very resourced right now and very happy to be talking with you right now after a very nice day. But I'm like, it would rather like shock me or offend offend myself. Mm-hmm. Like my joke on my special about I offend myself every day is, is so true. Yeah, that is really telling. <laughs> and I kind of thought that was everybody. But maybe it's not. In fact, I really hope it's not. I think it's an extension of like kind of sharpening my comedy brain. Mm. And we've talked about this before, but like whoever I see, I'll just kind of like write a couple roast jokes about them. Mm -hmm. But it's, that's a really gentle way of saying I'm like attacking people and I'm not even really attacking them. Attacking is happening. And I'm just sort of standing there. That's right. You said the thing, Boy, I've thought about it so many times. The MacGyver shooting the two Uzis. <laughs> that's yeah. our that's our brains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With your eyes kind of crossed and just going wild. And, yeah. And the, like, it's in control. You're not in control of it. The it, guns are in control. And the falling is in control. Yeah. But I, since you, we had that conversation last time, I have been getting a little bit more interested in, like, oh, maybe, maybe this experience, first of all, isn't permanent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's something I can, I don't want to say fix, but something I could live without. And yeah. it might not be what everybody's having. Well, and that's, I think that is the, because I, I don't know, I don't know enough about intrusive thoughts. There might be people who have it to the degree well, where, Bamford has it. yeah, to the degree where it is like a, syndrome or you know it's like a no, she has she has it in a way that it really messes up her life yeah yeah where she like i she has like a story of being a kid and telling her mom that she thinks of like i like killing and chopping up the family or like something really like yeah. it was very violent and that is it it's like your brain is trying to think of the scariest thing it can think of the worst thing it can think of as a way of ensuring that that doesn't happen. Like if I can think of it, right. then it won't happen, which is a, and a kind I of a perversion of if it's mentionable, it's manageable. I think you're right. It's funny because I've talked about this before. When I was a kid, my strategy to not have a nightmare would be to think about it so much that when I fell asleep, I'd be bored of thinking about it. Yeah. Which right. wasn't just a theory. It was something that would work. Like yeah. if I was scared of the gremlins, which mm-hmm. I was, I would just think about gremlins mm-hmm. full full force. Yeah. Constantly thinking about gremlins. For, the, for those of you that are going nuts about the Chelsea thread dangling, she said, I don't want to drive 20 minutes to Meltdown. I said some version. I probably didn't say that's ridiculous, but I felt like that was indicative of like a, just a different approach. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, I want to do it at a podcast studio. I want to do it like this. I want to do it not just a podcast studio, but at Meltdown, which to me was really so cool. cool, yeah. And taking Chelsea out of it, because that's too uncomfortable. I, I have nothing but good things to say. 
about her, but like when I was talking to Judy about podcasting, I was like, you, if you are going to partner with somebody, I, I, I just get a little wary mm. of that only because of that experience is that like, mm. I had this like enthusiasm to start a podcast mm -hmm. and you know, you're a little shaky. You don't know if you can do it. And I'm so glad I did it by mm -hmm. myself in because to with, you know, keep it up all these years, mm -hmm. it's, it's hard enough organizing it with Katie, you know what yeah. I mean? Our producer and then the guest, and then there's a co-host. This, this is like stand-up versus improv. It's like, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is all of those things are true. And considering the source here, this is how you feel about everything. It's like how yeah. you felt about writing part. I mean, I know since you've said that you've had some good writing partnerships, but like for a long time you were like, a, a, and still in general, you don't write with pairs. And, and some people get their energy from collaboration. Like you. Like me. Yeah. And I, and I think it does go back to my parents. I learned that people can be very sticky mm -hmm. sort of honey traps well, that can get in your wings and slow you down. And next thing you know, you're not doing anything. And I'm like, oh, the way out and the way forward is to like travel as lightly as possible. I mean, and you're like, why would I want to be alone? Which kind of goes back to uh, what do you got? Well, this is a tale as old as time now about this podcast. I mean, for this podcast, we've talked about this. It's well treaded territory, but that. It goes back to like your center core belief is people are unsafe. people are unsafe, and mine is I'm unsafe alone. Like mine. I'm only safe with people. And I was just ten minutes ago in that bathroom doing my makeup for this audio podcast, yeah. <laughs> um, thinking about death and how I really was like, it's so crazy that we die. And then the the first scary thought that comes to me is no one can save you from it. And I'm like, isn't that interesting? That shows my whole, that says way more about how I live than death. Mm. Like I am like, I look to people to, I count on people to save me, which you would think I would then be like very needy and, and which you're not, which I'm not. I stay low maintenance so that they'll stick around. Oh, interesting. Because I need them. <laughs> you know, it's funny though to unpack it a little bit more in a way that we haven't before. I don't think people are un unsafe. I just don't want to. I think partnerships are unsafe, which again is strange that we have such a good and healthy partnership. Well, right. People okay. are too complicated to be trustworthy. But when I'm like hanging out with people. I'm not necessarily like the, in fact, I, I, one of the things that I cannot like about myself is that I'm like, am I just like breaking into people to like get something that I need? Like that's something that I'm afraid of. Right. Which I, I also learned in high school. Kind of like, I, I'm not smart enough to be here. So form alliances and they'll, and they'll help you. Yeah. You do have your own degree of that. And, but I, yeah, I'm not saying that it's really what we're consciously thinking about everyone obviously it's not like a a total blanket thing i can enjoy being alone yeah and you have very close friends so it's not yeah it's just it's like when we're in a fearful mindset 
those are the thoughts that are ruling us. And I think that has, that completely informs your intrusive thoughts because you are throwing darts at people before they throw darts at you in your mind. Or just avoiding them. Oh, I see the thoughts. Yeah, yeah I see. I, like I missed that part. Yeah. You're making them in your, you're not doing it, but your brain's way of saving you from people is by making them lesser than you so that if they don't want you, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We have that. We talked about this before, but I called some kid at the playground a dud. And then not my, to his face. Not to his face. No, no, certainly not to his face. I love kids. But, <laughs> but behind their backs. But, but from a distance, I'll throw out a quip. But, it, you know, I, I don't even think it was a specific kid, but I was saying something like, I'm glad our kids aren't duds, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. And then my friend uh, very appropriately was like, you, are you really thinking of children that way? And I, you know, I had to check myself after I had wrecked myself. But then most recently when I called my mom this week... Um, cause that's a hoot. <laughs> mm-hmm. She called some kids duds. She now, did? Yeah. And she, oh you know, my God. and so that voice, and I'm not blaming, I'm just acknowledging mm-hmm. that I watched two people whose strategy to succeed and to survive. And I can say that with as much understanding as possible. Cause it's, it's basically me. Mm-hmm was to other people and to keep them at a distance. Yeah. And and that's, you know, that can be a real horror show as you get older and you're like, you don't, you don't have anybody. You, you couldn't, that's what I'm fascinated about with you is you tolerate. And that's the word I'm using. Yeah. <laughs> so many people, you like enjoy so many people. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to what you were saying and I admire that. And I'm trying to learn that as much but as it, I can. It's just that, my wounding took a more maybe endearing shape than yours in that way. But yours, your wounding took a better shape in your like accomplishments for the sake of earning love. And, you know, there's, it's, we're all just walking each other home. Yeah. We're all just reacting to our wounds and our, own way and then that's your personality (laughs) yeah that's that's right and it's not so personal your personality isn't so personal yeah that's right it's actually not very personal either your personality comes from persona which means mask Mm -hmm. so it's like we all have these personas yeah but like as i get older i'm really trying to take it leela turn it down please bubba (laughs) you Okay, you're good. I think the PBS kids' uh, sound is louder than the rest of the episode. Um, Did you change it? No. Oh, no, it was good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, get your get your jingles right, Pete. Um, what was I saying? Um, your persona. Oh, yeah. No, as I get older, and we've talked about this before, it's just like, who cares what I think? Like, mm-hmm. who, care, who cares even? in quotes, who I am. Like, it's just so trans, transitory transient. and transient. Mm. Anyway, I want to go back to what you said, because about death and you're in the bathroom. And I, we're here in Winnipeg and you guys came for the last six days of shooting. And the reason was we, I was here for eight days alone. And we haven't really talked about that. I, I've really like, I'm very good at deleting things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like 
I remember when I was shooting that TV show in Vancouver, I got home and then, and you're like, that was rough. And I was like, was it? Mm. I just sort of delete it, mm-hmm. conveniently delete it. And I'm sure I'll conveniently delete this as well. So it's nice to get it on the record. <laughs> that eight days alone in this apartment and also doing most of my scenes and actual acting in this movie were like the first you know, three weeks. Which I think is worth mentioning that you had already spent like three weeks here yeah. in December. So I I flatter myself thinking I have sort of like a never-ending ability to sort of be alone. Mm-hmm. And no, I don't. And your moment in the bathroom, around day five, I couldn't, I was laughing so hard. Was, was it with you where I was like, oh, I would get stoned and watch The Simpsons because my thoughts were just too dark. Mm. It was very similar. It's dark here. It's cold here. I'm very bored. Yeah. Some days I go in, like one of the days shooting here, I went in, I waited in my trailer for like two or three hours, got called to set. I, I came on to set. It was in a supermarket. Came on to set. Uh the scene is someone hands me a baby. I look at the baby. That's the scene. We did that three times. And then I went home. Oh my God. So that's not enough. Yeah. <laughs> and it's too cold to like go outside. Mm-hmm. So you left the house, went in a supermarket. Someone handed you a baby three times. <laughs> then you went home. Yeah. And after then, waiting for two hours after in a trailer. After a lot of waiting and a lot of to do about nothing. Mm-hmm. And then I get home. And I just notice that my thoughts are just going to that, like, I've just lost, I'm not, I'm completely unresourced. Yeah. I don't have my family. I don't have any routines. Mm-hmm. I don't have any friends. Uh, Judy and I have been hanging out, but like, you can't do that every day. Mm-hmm. And then, and you don't need, some days you don't even have sunlight. Mm-hmm. Then you lose your motivation to like exercise and the cold for everybody living in a cold place, like hats off. Yeah. The desire to eat, pizza constantly or like oh some sort God. of parmesan constantly yeah and drink only hot chocolate exclusively and, yeah. <laughs> and ice cream and just every dopamine food you can get yeah and then i'm watching tv and it like stops working and then my thoughts just turn to the morose and i start obsessing i'm just like you know my mom's getting older and she's just sort of i spend so much of my time just feeling bad about that And then I'm like, oh, God, is that where we're all going? And then this is the joke, though. I get really stoned, and I'm like, I'm going to get my mind off of this. I start watching The Simpsons, and it's the episode where they're trying to get a girlfriend for Ned Flanders because his wife is dead. And, like, sometimes in that very thin, frail place, Mm -hmm. I just can't believe we live in this world Mm -hmm. where we're so vulnerable to endless catastrophe mm-hmm. and we walk around eating tacos. Yeah. Like we're just not thinking about it or talking about it. And then in that alone space, my unconscious is like, well, now that we have you, we're going to make you obsess about it. Mm-hmm. And then I would go to bed and I wouldn't even be able to sleep. Oh, I didn't tell this story. So that night, the night I got stoned and I was bored and it reminded me of being a kid. And when I was a kid, I would go to bed 
well before I was tired. And that's why I got really interested in lucid dreaming and stuff. Mm. Cause I would fall asleep, but I'd still be alert enough to remember <laughs> that I was asleep. Mm-hmm. So I close my eyes and it's, you know, weed is a mild hallucinogen and I'm really noticing that. And I'm noticing like these psychedelic patterns and all these like geometric shapes that are showing like a screensaver Mm -hmm. behind your eyes, but it's like purple and lime green. And, and you look at it and it really is, it's not random. It's like, it is a repeating pattern, Mm -hmm. like something mathematical to it. And you're just looking at the reality building potential of your mind with no reality to build. It's exactly like a screensaver. Mm-hmm. Like a computer that can make a three-dimensional reality when it's idling, we'll just kind of like shoot a laser beam around in a dark purple line. And that's exactly what we do. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I started, this is how bored I was. <laughs> I'm in bed. It's like 1030 at night. And I asked my brain, I was like my unconscious basically, mm-hmm. or you could say my consciousness. I was like, show me something that I couldn't think of because mm-hmm. I noticed everything that I was seeing behind my eyes, you know, behind my eyelids, which is like the normal stuff, scenes from the day, mm-hmm. stuff, stuff you scrolled by yeah. some weird image like I, Ray Liotta, like what the fuck? Like, but it's all stuff you saw that day. There is a, I know, I don't think you've told the Chris part of this, but I think there is a good chance that you told this on last week's episode. I didn't talk about seeing the fucking you know but i did this you definitely talked about the ned flanders wife dying i did yeah but i don't remember if you talked about this but then what chris said remember at yeah the punchline i don't think you shared i said that i that i i oh and then i opened my eyes and there was a a a young woman standing by the bed i don't think i said that i don't know if you shared that part of the i definitely didn't okay okay so i'll skip over that i said show me something i couldn't think of and it, it couldn't do it it was interesting it would it would it could show me shapes and colors and stuff and then I opened my eyes and I don't think this was a, a ghost by any means uh-huh. so nobody think I'm not really telling a ghost story but right here in this room that we're in right now oh god I forgot about this and then I until I but I was so stoned I have to sleep in this room Valerie you already know this story I know But I opened my eyes and just very briefly, and the reason why I knew it wasn't a ghost was it was somebody I had been thinking about, Mm -hmm. but then it's one of the kids in the movie, but then all of a sudden they just very briefly were like kind of standing by the bed. And if I'm not going to describe it because describing it would make it sound so much scarier than it was because it wasn't really a scary image. Okay. It was just weird that they were seemed to be there. Mm-hmm. And man, I had earplugs in. My heart rate shot through the roof. It was oh. jacked. So oh. even though I didn't think I was that scared, my heart rate told a different tale. So then a couple of days later, we're having coffee with our friends. Mm-hmm. And then Chris said, oh, so your brain did it. And I was yeah. like, what do you mean? He was like, it showed you something that you couldn't have. It couldn't do. Like, wow, right. And I was like, you're like, oh my God. You didn't put it together right away. Be careful the challenges yeah. you give your stoned, bored brain. Yeah. Because I scared the shit out of myself. It was so 
scary. It's like it's like Shane Moss. He does that to the DMT. He takes DMT it and he's me like, "Just show me something insane that I'll never believe." I mean, he used to. I don't know if he still does. But God, that kind of fearlessness is incredible. Well, yeah, and I took a break from pot after that. <laughs> yeah, right. But one of the nights, and I know I didn't tell this. Um, I'm just very interested in the in the creative process, and I've always thought that weed was very stupid and sort of not helpful when it comes to that. But boredom is this incredible motivator for mm-hmm. me. And before we were married and before we had kids, I used to create out of this very unpleasant feeling that I get from being bored. Mm-hmm. And I would get so bored. The The classic example would be like, I made the cartoon of the guy firing Vega from Street Fighter because that's how bored I was. I just had nothing to do. Nobody was asking me to do anything. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, and I didn't even do it to be conscientious. I did it because I was like losing my mind. Mm -hmm. Very similarly, one of the nights here I went to bed, I got really, really stoned. Again, I'm just coping. I'm doing everything I I can to like, I don't know what I'm trying to do. And I go to bed, it's like 1030 and I go to bed and I swear this, it really felt like this portal opened. And I know that sounds very dramatic. Do you think you should? I didn't. I, I think I didn't. Was... I said, I'm going to tell this after the break. And we started talking okay, about okay. it and then we didn't. You're right. Okay. You said I'm you just, tell you're it. only hearing embarrassment that you're telling me like, I've already said seven things. No, but I, you did say you're right. And I was like, you, and we'll get to it. We'll get to it. And then right. we ended up having a different conversation. But you just told it like you were like, it doesn't matter. What? You were like, I got stoned and then I got bored. And then this, it's like this portal opened up and I got creative and we'll talk about it at the, after the break. So you like told the story. I did not. I know. I've told the part that we've told. You are embarrassing I'm not, me. I'm trying not to. I'm sorry. <laughs> but you acknowledge that you are? I, I, uh, clearly, that's what your experience is. 100% JK. Okay. Well, let me tell go. the part that we didn't tell, because I think this is very interesting. It is. Getting so stoned to the point where, like, you know, you're incapacitated. Like, you're you're out of your mind and so bored, and you're just basically getting stoned so you can go to sleep mm-hmm. and just kind of like fucking burn the day and be a little bit closer to going home. And I went to bed, and the portal, sorry. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I'm embarrassed. Don't be. But it was like one of the most musiest experiences of my life. This has happened to me before, but... This idea, just for like a half hour comedy TV pilot, Mm -hmm. started showing up Mm -hmm. in a way that was almost annoying. Mm -hmm. It almost felt like a Bible story in the sense that it's like meaning, and I don't mean this is so important, it belongs in the Bible. I just mean it has this sort of like, you know, I feel like the shepherds were always kind of inconvenienced by some angel (laughs) showing up and they're like, you know, I had plans and they're like, unto you a child is born. <laughs> but I I ended up in this very vulnerable state between the time of like 10.30 and like 2 in the morning, emailing myself 16 times, just like all these ideas. And our friend was like, oh, you were channeling it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, isn't that funny that some people channel like holy scriptures and I channel 
a half hour multicam pilot. Mm. But the reason I, I mentioned, I, I do think it's interesting. When I woke up the next day, I read the emails and they were all coherent. Mm. They were all good ideas. Mm -hmm. And then I remembered one of the keys to a meaningful and a, a, yeah, a meaningful life for me is having something, some project. Mm -hmm. We talk a lot about finding your awareness and resting in your center and all that stuff. And I was like, but here, strung out, lonely, dark and cold and bored, uh, this great gift came through because the morning that I woke up with those 16 emails, suddenly life was like worth, not. I don't want to say worth living. It's not like it wasn't worth living, but I had something to do. Yeah. And then that day and the next day, were incredible days. I know. Where it was like yeah. banging. I wrote the script in two days. I was so happy with it, so thrilled. Mm -hmm. And I just forgot. It made me happy. It made me feel like there's this part of me that can't get stoned. <laughs> like it's yeah. like Pete got stoned, but like the antenna was still able to pick up. And again, it's a very silly idea. It's not like Shakespeare or anything, but I thought it was worth mentioning. Yeah, no, it's... That's like the artist's way theory, you know, is that you're, you are collaborating with the divine and that's what creativity is. Like you're opening yourself up and then creativity sort well, of channels you. through you. Yeah, so it does exactly make sense that that was opening you up and, you know, maybe I don't think you did see a ghost, but it would make sense. You're like thinning the veil and yeah. then, and then, so it's part of the same thing. Also, and you know what, dude, that's, you're so good. You're so interesting <laughs> because it was, it was like opening a door to all sorts of insanity, mm -hmm. weird death thoughts, dwelling thoughts. Mm -hmm. And then like this, this comedy idea came through that. And I guess not, not just for me, but for anybody doing creative work even their own therapy which is creative or their own relationships which can be creative when you're thinking abstractly it's a strange portal mm -hmm. to open up and i just think it's pretty endlessly hilarious that what i yanked out of this black hole was literally a network multicam pilot but i had I have, don't have it written on any post-it like write that multicam pilot yeah and it was even showing me as the idea was coming through, the moments over the past year where a certain phrase showed up in a mm -hmm. conversation, I was like, well, that's an interesting name for a TV show. Mm -hmm. Never wrote it down, but it was all kind of kicking around mm -hmm. in the background. Mm -hmm. And then one day, it just, everything flooded out. It was just, it, it was interesting. That was really I'm embarrassed. No, that was I'm very filled cute. with embarrassment. <laughs> it's really cute. Your face just then. Well, yeah. And you're teaching me that that really one of the ways to cope with life and death and all of it is by creating. Yeah. And I was thinking, what I then it made me think, um, what do I teach you? <laughs> and, hmm. No, but my, I was realizing today we did, we, you were off today. And so we went to this French place for breakfast and we went to 
Um, it's called the Forks. It's basically like a indoor market, but they also have an ice skating rink and they have a children's museum and a bunch of things. And I kept, I realized I kept saying to Leela, the plan for the day and I would tell her what was next and what we're going to do and like try to get her all revved up. And then like, you know, when she would have a meltdown and there was just a brief moment where she was having a meltdown and we were all kind of melting down. And I would, and thinking of that in terms of the scope of the day and being like, oh man, like this isn't, the day isn't going like I thought, you know. Yeah. And then we kind of, we definitely redeemed it and we had a great time. And like we're sitting down to dinner at the end of the day and I'm like, Leela, how is the day? Like I'm trying to like, make the day a thing. And I realized that is how that's one of my coping mechanisms with the fact that we are all going to die is that I try to make epic days. Like Like, a project. Like a project. Yeah. And, and I'm trying to write an epic script and you're trying to write, but I think we're like rubbing off on each other in that way. We're like, you're teaching me that that energy can go into creating something. And I'm coming in busting into Winnipeg when you're sad and lonely in here and I have you on a toboggan the first day that I'm here. We did go on a toboggan. It was so fun. (laughs) Right out of the gate. Well, you know, again, for all the loftiness, it really reminded me. I'm like, it doesn't even matter much what it is. Like the movie Be Kind Rewind, Mm -hmm. where they're like, let's just make a a VHS of every movie we have. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, that's... That's right. Yeah. It doesn't have to be important. Mm -hmm. Like this show doesn't have to get made. Writing it was like, was like a candle in the dark just for a couple of days. But not just like what made it unique was it wasn't a discipline. It, it felt, and what channeling I suppose you could say is, is like intense inspiration Mm -hmm. that is kind of effortless. Mm -hmm. When I was writing it, I, I was like, I know I keep mentioning Mozart, but when he's playing a song and it's just kind of coming out, and I know I already said that, but like that feeling itself was the reward. Yeah. And then when it comes, I've gotten notes on that script since, and like that, that feels like going back into a dream and trying to like polish it, and that sucks, and I hate that. Mm. But the pure creativity gave life meaning. So I, I, I was like, oh, wow, we should talk about that just because like, I was like, no matter who you are, and you could partner with somebody, but like having something to make mm-hmm. really feels important. And I yeah. we'll we'll go to the mid rolls here, but I want to talk. I'm going to try with you to explain something else that I thought while I was very very stoned, but made a lot of sense to me about creativity itself. And I'll see if you you can do your Valerie thing and make it understandable. Mm. Uh, but we'll be we'll be right back. Pardon the interruption, weirdos. This episode is brought to us by our friends at Roosevelt's RSLVTS. Look, I changed. I'm traveling. I'm currently in Winnipeg, Canada, shooting a movie. I only brought one dress shirt, and of course, it is a Roosevelt's. Roosevelt's are the makers of my favorite feeling 
fitting and looking clothing and apparel that I have discovered in recent years. They are incredible and they're also very, very fun. It's called Roosevelt's RSVLTS. It's an apparel brand born for their passion for pop culture and Americana. They combine high quality products with fun, bold designs to offer a uniquely rad concept. Their team has a little bit of something for everyone with uh, Star Wars stuff, Disney, Nickelodeon to classic movies, and shows like The Big Lebowski, The Office, and tons more. This is the best way to get a gift for the fanatic in your life, somebody that loves any of these franchises, or if your style's a little bit more laid back like mine, they just have classic prints that look awesome. I've worn them on late night TV, I've worn them to movie premieres, high quality threads that look fun and help you pop just a little bit. Not too much, not too much, but just a little bit. Get a conversation going, have a little bit more fun. Light, stretchy, soft, and fit so damn nice. They're moisture wicking, extremely breathable, made from Kunu Flex, which is a four-way stretch material. So it almost has like an athletic feel, but looks dressed up, but also kind of casual. Have shirts for everyone. They have toddlers, youth, men, and women. Like I said, Jurassic Park, The Office, and even more laid back like this bazooka bespoke original designs. They won't shrink or wrinkle after washing. In fact, that's one of the reasons I love traveling with them and wearing them on stage. I throw them in my carry-on. I take them out. They are ready to wear. Based out of Hoboken, New Jersey, clothing for the bold and the fun. Those who dare mighty things, just like their namesake Teddy Roosevelt once said. If you get your hands on some of these amazing items, visit rsvlts.com or check them out on Instagram at rsvlts. They're awesome. Absolutely get into it. Also brought to us by our friends at Electric E-Bikes. I don't know if you guys have known this. We got Electric E-Bike about a year ago and it's absolutely changed our lives. We decked it out. I got the support seat, uh, which installed very, very easily. And I cruise around with Leela on the back. It's made going for errands so much more fun, so much more enjoyable. We hop over or ride over to the grocery store, ride back so easily, easy to add storage, easy to cruise. That's what I love most about it. It's so fun, it's so intuitive, it's fast but not like insane. It's, it's certainly not a motorcycle, it's comfortable is what I'm saying. I got on it a little bit shaky at first. I was like, is this gonna be okay? Couldn't have been easier. Just a little turn of the throttle, or the pedal assist gets you moving, gets you outside, gets you exercising. Uh, Leela and I now go for epic long daddy-daughter bike rides, end up somewhere, get some pizza, and ride back. The battery on the one that I have, which is called the Expedition, lasts so long, it is incredible. Any can, anyone can ride, designed for a better mode of transportation for all riders, durable features, and accessories for added safety, convenience, and control. Save on gas, parking, and maintenance. That's one of the things I love. We go to the farmer's market once a week. Always the parking lot is full. Take the e-bike, absolutely no problem. Same safety regulations and road access as regular bikes. In most states, licenses, registration, and inspection are not required, but always check the laws in your area. We absolutely love it. Add more physical activity, get more out or outside time to your everyday life. 
up to 150 miles on one charge with Electric's unbeatable long range options. So explore 2024 with Electric e-bikes, the most accessible and adventurous e-bikes ever. Visit electricebikes.com to learn more and be sure to mention You Made It Weird with Pete Holmes sent you in on the post checkout survey. Support the show, support your life. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com and do fill out that survey and tell them that you made it weird sent you. Okay, so this is pretty weird. Um, but it's short. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> I, I just, again, I do think it's a shame that you have to be stoned for something like this to be interesting. But when you're laying there at night and you're falling asleep or whatever, or you're not falling asleep and you're just laying there with your eyes closed, it is the craziest thing in the world that you can just think of something. Mm. And the weirdest thing in the world is that the universe was created ex nihilo, out of nothing. Mm -hmm. And we're all just like, how does that even happen? Yet we are these like empty fields of mm. apparently nothing, meaning an objectless awareness mm -hmm. within which you can introduce anything. Mm -hmm. And even as I'm saying this, it's not hitting me as interesting as it did when I was very, very stoned. Mm -hmm. But it remains fascinating. Mm -hmm. You can think of something. You can change it. You can rotate it, move it, add mm -hmm. to it, take away from it. You can write a poem or a song. You could just think of an image mm -hmm. or a, 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 whatever, whatever you want. And it comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's the most obvious thing in the world. So it's become boring. But we are just sort of potential globes. Mm -hmm. If you think of us as all like little crystal balls, and in that crystal ball, your awareness, you can picture and create sounds and images, ideas, scripts, thoughts, conversation, feelings. Mm -hmm. Feelings are there too. Mm -hmm. And even though we have names for all of them, a lot of them are weird amalgamations of a bunch of them. I was like, we are creating out of nothing yeah. all of the time. I know. And I, that's, that's the thing is it's like, I, it made me think of, I, I think I mentioned it to you, but our friend, it, I don't think I mentioned it on the podcast. Our friend's stepdad is dying right now. And she's one of my closest friends so I'm getting like play-by-play -play updates on his hospice experience and the things that he's going through in in this death experience and and it it's freaking me out man <laughs> because yeah. it's like a really hard death and so I catch myself thinking about it all the time and because this is big, it's it's going on lo way longer than anybody thought of. He's like in the imminent stages of death. But it's so they've been saying like it'll be any day now for a long time. And and like some part of him is holding on. And so when I was sort of going down a dark hole with that, thinking about that, I really got this like shining light at the end that's like yeah he wants to live like his body yeah. his body wants to stay alive his life his, his life his force essence 
wants, wants to be alive. That's very, and that's yeah. what everything is. We like it's all desire to live and to experience and to create. That's, and we're always creating. You did it. <laughs> that's why I'm saying even when you close your eyes, your brain shows you impossible repeating geometry. There's this yearning and this zeal. Yes. And Rupert Spiro would say this person clinging to life isn't just the person's fear of death, potentially. It's you are infinite. You mm -hmm. are unborn, timeless awareness. Mm -hmm. And as such, your true identity is always trying to um, extend itself into your limited sort of like two-dimensional dualistic reality. Mm. So it's trying to impose the attributes of your true nature onto this, mm. um, you could say dream or, or this apparent reality or a life situation or whatever. So we are eternal. So it's trying to like go like, no, I'm eternal. <laughs> like I can't die. Mm -hmm. And it, oh, it's that's like, interesting. no, you, yeah. you actually can't, <coughs> you actually can't die. Right. Uh, and yeah. I so it's like, this is wrong. Yeah, I also just think it's like it I know I'm a hopeless romantic, but I think life is romance. Like I think that eternal divine usness, the oneness is romantic about the human experience. Well, that's Rupert too. He says the infinite is in love with the manifestations of time. Yeah. Or whatever. And it, I always get that quote wrong. And it makes the sacrifice let, that's why we shared this when we went to the Rupert retreat. But he said, yeah, the infinite is in love with with time and the experience of time. Yeah. And the woman's that she asked the question that led to that answer. And she said, that's interesting. I always look at it as a misunderstanding. And she said, it, he said, it's not a misunderstanding. It's a sacrifice. Yeah. That the infinite sacrificed all of is willing to sacrifice its own perfection. Yeah. It to suffer and to experience all of that for the romance of the human experience. Yeah. And when you die, it's like a breakup, but the breakup is like, it's, you know, it's like the notebook or whatever, like any kind of romantic movie that ends in like a, but they can't be together forever. Yeah. It's like, isn't that infinitely more romantic? Yeah. That it's like this moment in time and yeah. and that is delicious and it's erotic, it's sensual, it's all about the experience and being fully in it and fully alive and then and I, I, it can't last. And the universe and the earth are both exactly as vast and strange and interesting as they need to be to be endlessly engaging and impossible to hold in your mind all at once. Yeah. And the same is true of our inner worlds where our emotions, we're teaching Leela all these books about her feelings. Mm -hmm. And I was like, look at how many fucking feelings there are. I know. And that's exactly, mm -hmm. it's like that thing about how Elon Musk thinks we were destined to travel to Mars because the earth is, so I forget who told me this. It might've been Matt Johnson this week, but he's like, the earth is, um, exactly the right specifications to support intergalactic space travel. Like Whoa. if it was a little bit smaller or a little bit bigger, you wouldn't be able to get a rocket off of it. Whoa. Something like that. Huh. That's very 
paraphrased. That's really interesting. So he's like, that's a clue. And I was like, I also think it's a clue that like our emotions, we're not walking around. Even when I'm bored and depressed and despondent and all these things, it's still like a very murky, strange and if I was in the mood to be interested, I'd be interested by it mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. Meaning we're not going around going like, I am 1011 today. Yeah. Like today I am 00110000101111. Like it would take 45 minutes. And then that feeling has gone and then there's a whole nother feeling. Mm-hmm. Meaning like, I don't know. I, I, to me, it seems that's romantic too, is mm. the whole setup. Yeah. Is mysterious and strange and oh, erotic and, and overwhelming. It, it, exactly. it like swallows you up and that, you get lost in it. That idea that God doesn't give you more than you can handle, I, I would say there isn't more than you can handle. Yeah. It's not, let's take that out because one of the feelings is this is more than I can handle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, meaning yeah. I don't want to make that too trite or cute. But isn't it interesting that the world is is designed to be, for the most part, experienceable? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I know, and and I know there. I we both of us have experienced the opposite. I think I like to think what we're saying is capital T true, but we've. It's just it's why depression is such a motherfucker. Yeah, because it's. It's the complete opposite of that. And it feels capital T true. And I just think it's like, it's just a, that's a misunderstanding when well, we're like. And, and that's how I've been feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rupert Spira again would say that these exciting, vibrant and ecstatic sort of experiences of, of reality. Mm-hmm can be veiled, you know, like the sky and then there's clouds and then depression is when it's completely overcast. Yeah. And frankly, there have been a few days here where I'm like, it's just overcast. Mm-hmm. And I've just really gone to every trick I have mm-hmm. and none of them work. Yeah. And, and the problem, I would read my Rupert book or whatever. And, and after a while, certain days I was just, and we talk about this all the time. I just wasn't being fed in so many ways that I would sometimes read it and I'm like, my brain is begging me Mm -hmm. to go on social media. Mm. It's begging me Mm -hmm. to go on YouTube and just go down a YouTube hole. And Mm. like my day ends and I don't even know what the fuck happened because I'm just trying to time travel Mm. to when this, this is done and I'm home. Mm -hmm. So I want to, I want to say that to anybody that's relating to that, like, we, because I hear you say this, uh, we can honor that feeling. Absolutely. Not beat ourselves up. And to quote what you said last week, and I've been doing this, you changed my life. Ever since you taught me that, I'll go, isn't it beautiful that I want to, to be doing better? That's right. Isn't it beautiful that I am striving to clean up my act or whatever, or get off this app or, or get back into a practice or do more exercise or whatever it is. And I've been feeling a lot better just going like, it's beautiful that I want better. That's exactly. so huge. That's the most perfect message to bring up. So like if anybody is listening to this and in the dark hole of depression where none of this sounds true, uh, I know exactly what that feels like. And the best thing to do is to recognize a part of you that wants 
to feel better. And isn't that so loving that you right. want that for yourself? Give that love and sunlight. Instead of wasting your energy pushing away what you don't want, just shifting the focus to what you do want, which is like, look at this little ember mm-hmm. that's still in the fire. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give everything I have to that. Yeah, whatever is on top, you know, like wherever you can meet yourself. So if you can't love your depression. Yeah. If you can't start there, start loving the part of you that wants to not feel depressed. Yeah. And then extend, let that ember grow into a fire that even includes the um, the depression. Yeah. Yeah. Because it really is all part of this, like, very romantic experience. <laughs> Going back, I, we talked about this last time, but when I was talking to the the Christian person and it's explaining how it's possible that I love Christ and believe that Jesus was the son of God and don't consider myself a Christian. I know we covered that last time, but there were, I was like, well, one of the differences is I don't think what Jesus did is unique to Jesus. Like recognizing your true nature and your I and the father are one. I means who you really are, which is consciousness. Mm -hmm. And the father means the universe means like reality, which is the same as consciousness Mm -hmm. because it's one. Mm-hmm. My essential nature is the same thing that everything is. Mm-hmm. And then Rupert pointed out that like it's a shame that people think I means I, Jesus, and the Father means a God that is something else and is infinitely far away from us mm-hmm. has kind of led to a different interpretation. Mine is Rupert's interpretation, which is I, consciousness, and the Father, eternity, reality are one Mm -hmm. and i was like i don't think that realization is unique to one person and if it was what (laughs) what yeah what how could the realization of of the divine being here and now and within us be unique how could the the divine being everything be unique (laughs) right if it's every if it's everything and everywhere and and all there is Mm -hmm. and all there's ever been and as here now in this moment as it was when Jesus said those words. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I don't think it's unique to him. Mm-hmm. I think it could happen. And that's the charge for us. And then the person said, I do think it's unique to Jesus. And I felt like you. And I was like, that is so romantic. Yeah. Go for it. Yes. If that converts you, mm-hmm. if that brings you into loving awareness and spacious, empty, limitless joyful love like Mm -hmm. clean clear ah, Mm -hmm. fucking do it up and and the person i was with i I could tell wasn't one of wasn't really like us and doesn't use the word romantic that much so i kind of had to be like i don't mean sexual i mean the divine is seducing you is is Mm -hmm. chasing you it wants you and if believing in one person doing that and your devotion to that person wordlessly brings you into union with that person, uh, no joke here, go with God. Like, that's fantastic. Yeah. I can't handle, if only one person did it, then every Hindu, Jew, Jewish person, Buddhist, atheist, Mm -hmm. I can't handle that no Mm -hmm. one else gets to go to the party. So that's why I'm... Yeah. Not going to order that off the menu. Yeah. But but the romance thing brought that to mind. Yeah. It's so funny. I remember being, a, you know, really bought into the Christian path and thinking that was the way. And then 
sort of questioning and starting to deconstruct like years before I actually would, but just sort of like playing around with it. And my brother who now is, you know, well, I won't share his business, but I remember he, he's always been so smart and he was like 18 or 19 and like really challenged me because I said something about like, what if it is like for us, it's Jesus for other people. It's Buddha for other people. It's, you know, the Hindu gods or whatever. And he was like, that's relativism. And he, I remember the way he said it, it sounded like, well, that that's like the worst thing. <laughs> like I was thinking there's like, like that, the, the way that that felt in my body when he said that I was like, Oh, well then I can't. Yeah. Whoops. And you're like, yeah. But what it what is more beautiful to to me the idea of one truth seducing the seeming multitude I know in each of these personalized plans it's it's not good for a tribe it's not good for a group it's not good for a congregation or a building no, or a because club. it's good for everyone yeah exactly so it doesn't have a chosen it really is like water it's like that's my, my faith is like water. Now it'll seep into any shape you've become yeah. to wrap around you. I like, I also like the sun. I think of the sun, mm. the S U N mm-hmm. meaning it just glows mm-hmm. how you receive it or how, how it reaches you. Maybe it has to go in some cracks and get refracted and reflect mm-hmm. off this water or off this or whatever it is, mm-hmm. but it, it's doing its only thing it does, yeah. which is shine on you yeah. and how it finds you. It's, you know what? It, it works better as plants, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the woods, different trees are bending different ways, but yeah. they're all getting the same sun. Yeah. You always bring such fun out of me. What? <laughs> Tickle you, tickle you. <laughs> well, this is great. Yeah. We did it. We, we did, did it. We did a human and hour. Leela did it. I'm proud of her. The only thing I was going to say about Premium Blend is we were remembering oh, right. Premium Blend was my first TV appearance. And it's back in the day, Comedy Central uh, had a show called Premium Blend where you did a seven minute set. And then if you did well on that, you were probably going to get a half hour, which was called Comedy Central Presents. And we were just remembering that that, we've probably talked about this before, but like it seemed really interesting to replay that for all the smelling my own farts and feeling like a winner and and telling my great, I channeled a script story, it was nice to remember that right at the beginning of this stand-up journey, I got this break. I was so excited. I thought about my set, but you're basically an open micer. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't have, like, a ton of places to work out. Mm -hmm. I changed my material, like, the week of, like, two nights before the taping. I decided to do a bit about the Hulk. It was about how people say the Hulk looks fake. I'm like, Hulk is fake. That was, like, the bit. (laughs) Oh, no. I know. I had only done it. It was okay. I was like, he is fake. (laughs) Yeah. Like we made him up. He could have dreadlocks. He could, he could be red. He could, it doesn't matter. And this is before Marvel was big. It was kind of still like a nerd topic. Yeah. But anyway, I changed the bits, called an audible to a bit that I had only done really one other time (sighs) and had audio of it 
from Chicago. That's how long ago this was. I was like, I'll do that bit. And I went out. It went fine. It aired. The Hulk bit didn't do that well. Well, also tell... Oh, yeah, this is why I came up. Yeah. I was so tone deaf as a comedian at that time that my opening line was, some of you are like, look, it's Prince William. And we were watching The Crown, and that's what brought it up, because Prince William is such a babe. And he's a heart, he was a, a heartthrob. And I didn't really appreciate what a heartthrob he was, and I didn't realize that I was basically saying, look, it's Brad Pitt. Right, yeah. And I thought it was just kind of funny that I kind of looked a little bit like him or something. I mean, yeah. But people were probably laughing at my... At the audacity. Boldness, yeah. Like, who the fuck does this doughy, red-faced boy <laughs> think he is? <laughs> and then I said, it's Prince William. And later in the set, I say, I could stand really still and pretend I'm a statue of John Ritter. And then I said, who do, this guy can't do two celebrity lookalike jokes. Who does this guy think he is? Val Kilmer, three. And that was the whole, that was like my best joke. And they, <laughs> I know. And they edited it, edited it. So... It only included the first two, and it didn't... They just cut out the third one, so I just looked like a guy who unknowingly and sort of amateurishly yeah. made two celebrity lookalike jokes for no reason. Without acknowledging it. Then they cut out the entire Hulk bit, <laughs> and then they included one joke at the end, which was about my wife cheating on me, even though she hadn't yet. Oh, whoa. Yeah, it was about my wife said... If I'm ever really sick and in the hospital, you can move on and see other people. And I go, she meant it to be sweet, but now I'm worried if I ever get the flu, she's going to be like, this is Julio. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that, it was basically two-thirds of the lookalike jokes with no good ending, and then that joke for no reason. And it was under seven minutes. And it was about four, four minutes. Oh, my God. So everyone else was seven minutes. I'm at the end. It's four minutes. I'm like, I'm Fucked. And then I remembered, I just wanted to share that, that I was like, it hasn't all been oh, yeah. a foregone conclusion. So you had to stay up late I to watch I stayed up till 11 o'clock and I watched it, heart sank through yeah. my pants. And then luckily, <laughs> the reason I got a half hour was because they came and saw me in New York doing stand-up live, which made such a difference. I don't think I would have gotten it off a tape. Yeah. But anyway, I just wanted to share, like, a an embarrassing story. It really story. is an interesting... It was... I, I If you had told me, I didn't remember. And it is an interesting tale. I love all of the stories from the beginning. You I, I just forgot about... I was so young. It's, I was also... Before I went on stage, I was clearing my throat obsessively mm. so much that I almost lost my voice. Yeah. I couldn't stop clearing my throat. So again, for all of the like, we are the champions playing softly in the background mm -hmm. as I tell some heroic, stupid stand-up story, there have been a lot of moments like that. And I, there still are. I think what I think that story is way more heroic than channeling a perfect script. Mm. script i think both are heroic. well that i went through with it yeah like yeah. honestly i love hearing those stories and because i didn't quit <laughs> i'm so <laughs> impressed with you that you did that for like 10 years before it got kind of cushy i mean it still isn't super yeah. cushy but like those are the when I think of you starting out doing stand up, that's when I'm most impressed with you. Well, not when you're it. a good dad, oh not when you're God. a good husband. You're, you're fun. <laughs> when you're an open micer.
basically <laughs> doing a Hulk joke. Yeah. I'm watching the Hulk. My guy, my friend goes, Hulk looks fake. Hulk is fake, papal. Okay. <laughs> no rule. New rule. Hulk is fake. Okay. Uh, thank you guys. Valerie, we did it. I can't we believe Leela let us do it. Oh my gosh. She's going to get so many kisses for this. We're so glad we had this time. And Valerie, I, I'm so glad we got to talk. This is the longest we've talked in a very long time. I know. And we saw the sun for a little bit today. It's been a good day. If this podcast was in Winnipeg, this would be every episode. We saw the sun today. <laughs> yeah. Today, we for five minutes, we felt we could imagine the warmth of the sun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, everybody. Why don't you go ahead and keep it crispy?